This not the beauty. This is the real fight for the beauty. Yeah, this is not the yeah. This is not the protecting culture. No, this is destroying culture. Woo! Thank you very much. That voice you just heard belongs to Sam Dharmapala, and today we're going to explore what he means by fight for beauty. Hi, I'm Sydney Ball. Hi, and I'm Helena Krobat. In this episode of Vancouver Housing Stories, we're going to look at the special relationship between gentrification, art washing, and tenant struggles. Artists and cities often have to contend with the complicated contradictions of being caught up in the push made by luxury development to clear neighborhoods of their low-income residents. Artist spaces and their work can be used to gentrify neighborhoods and can replace the pre-existing culture created by the people that have lived in those neighborhoods. But at the same time, low-income artists suffer the displacement caused by luxury development with disappearing affordable homes and art spaces. This first segment is a short conversation with Alice, who's an artist that lives in Mount Pleasant at the Belvedere. And that's a building that has great community and it's one of the first that the VTU, the Vancouver Tenants Union, organized with. In this conversation, Alice talks me through the emptying of her building as her landlords increased pressure over the years and how it felt to watch her neighbors being pressured out of their homes. These new windows, because the city had an initiative to for heating, I guess, to yes. um, give landlords cheap windows. So, you know, there's an arts community here, especially in this building, because there's most of us are artists in this building. And, you know, we're connected to galleries in the neighborhood and, and art spaces in the neighborhood and art, art stuff in the neighborhood, you know what I mean? Yeah. So... Have you had the same landlord this whole time yet? Well, ye, sort of, yes. Uh, but it's a different family member. Okay. So it's a family-owned building. Our old landlord, landlord, it changed hands in 2015, so the younger generation mm-hmm. took over. My landlord retired. But my original... Landlord was a very compassionate person. You know, he didn't do a lot in terms of fix-up, but he did do what was necessary, like, you know, repairing the elevator when it was broken and stuff like that. Um, He did respond. He was a nice person, a very nice person, and uh, very caring. He had quite close relationships with some of the elders in the building, which was nice. um, But a younger family member took it over who has a different attitude. Yeah, so it's been completely different since he took over because he wanted us pretty much... They started construction on this building in 2015 and it's been constantly under construction since then. Um, And they've been encouraging people to leave. They've gotten... I think the suites are like one-third empty at this point. Can you expand what you mean by encouraging people to leave? Yeah... Well, basically, they evicted anyone they could evict, that they had grounds to evict. Like late rents or... Yeah, late rents. And um, there were a few subletters here when they first took over. And then there was, you know, there is a certain amount of disrepair in this building. So they've tried to use structural issues as a reason to get people evicted. But we did get those overturned in arbitration. We also, we've been, we were offered buyouts by a middleman, so we were offered money if we would leave. Was that money something that would help you find equivalent housing in the city? No. I think it was probably around, uh, I, it's kind of a long story, but um, 
you know, I think it was different amounts for different tenants based on how long they'd lived here. Yeah. And um, we were kind of doing a buddy system thing where rather than being one-on-one -on -one with this middleman guy, we were um, coming to visit each other Great. just because we wanted to, you know, safety in numbers. Yeah. And it was a very threatening situation and people were naturally very upset about it. Because, I mean, a lot of people that live here, you know, the rents are, are very low for Vancouver, and um, if they leave, it means they're not going to be living in Vancouver, and this is where people's livelihood and jobs are, and their community, yeah. and uh, yeah, so I have this group, VWAM, which stands for Vancouver Women's Ambient Music, and uh, I have women over at, at um, intervals, and we do ambient music jamming. Nice. So when we do that, um, I, I usually sit there, and I haven't really had more than four people over at once, because it gets too crowded in here, because there's a lot of wires all over the place. But I have some, uh, I have a mixer, and you know I just put it through those little monitors, I have some guitar amps, so you know, we sort of set things up. It gets pretty crazy in here because it is a small space. And once you get, once you start plugging things into mixers and it's suddenly your floor is crisscrossed with boards and stuff pretty fast, so. How do your neighbors dig it? They dig it, man. They're amazing. I have amazing neighbors. I mean, I'm one of the longest tenants here. There's one guy who's been here longer than me, but, um, when you've lived here this long, it, it becomes your family. It's, it's so, I mean, it was, it's been a traumatic few years, especially for certain people in the building. And I guess for people who are vulnerable, there's like compound stress because if you relocate, you then have to reconsider your transportation to work. Exactly, yeah. Your support system, yeah. like all of that is gone. Yeah, and when you've lived here as long as like, you know what I mean? Like, we really support each other. We're each other's community. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's a big deal getting kicked out. I mean, it's it's amazing, you know. The, the landlord seems to have this attitude, well, why can't you just move for our convenience? You know, but they don't sort of think about the fact that this is your home yeah. and that this is your community and asking you to leave. They, it's like they don't, they don't understand that we're people with lives and feelings and needs and, and, and the importance of community and, and it's, so it's very, it's very de dehumanizing. I mean, the, the people they did manage to kick out, they found grounds. Because, you know, for example, some of the people that have left were more recent renters and, you know, the rental agreements have changed. So the rental agreement that I signed in 1997 is different than someone who moved in in 2014 or 13 or whatever. So, um, so older tenants like me are harder to get rid of. Oh, interesting. So that's a point of intervention too, is in the actual agreements. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they did sort of try and get us to sign these new agreements at the beginning and, and we were onto it and we were like, no, sorry, we've got our rental agreement. Yeah, and it rolls so, over. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I guess back in the 90s, you know, there was more 
tenants' rights. One elder in this building who was facing renovation, he was going through some stuff where he, his mother was, he went to visit his mother and he didn't get, because his mother was ill. And you know, it was, it was the usual terrible story where he was going through hardship and they were using it to go, oh, well, you didn't pay your rent because he didn't get back from taking care of his mother in order to pay his rent on time. I mean, it was really Cold. mean, yeah. really mean. And, and this is a guy who's lived here for like 30-something years and who's been a, a nice, he's a nice person. We like him. He's a good tenant, you know. Yeah. And uh, he's, yeah, he's a lovely person. And uh, so that was the last case that went to arbitration because he'd been late with his rent, so they were trying to kick him out. Right. But, you know, it was... But anyway, so we did a demonstration, and it, um, he did win the arbitration. So he's still here. Awesome. Yeah. Belvedere Court, the building Alice is talking about, is in the heart of Mount Pleasant, a neighborhood long gentrified. It was filled with artists who fought increasingly harsh evictions. Ironically, its wall also served as a canvas for mural fest, ground zero for gentrification and art washing. We hope you enjoyed that conversation. There's more to say about how the art scene in Mount Pleasant and other parts of Vancouver is being captured by luxury developer values. For example, the infamous mural fest. Vancouver Mural Fest received Vancouver City funding along with hundreds and thousands of dollars from Lululemon founder Chip Wilson's Low Tide Properties, West Bank, other real estate developers, local business improvement associations, and tech companies like Hootsuite. They've been critiqued by both artists and anti-gentrification activists for art washing, which is essentially using art to raise property values, providing the kinds of clean and inoffensive public art that is attractive to real estate developers because it helps them sell neighborhoods as creative and hip and increase real estate prices. The Vancouver Mural Fest was started with a $200,000 matching grant from the City of Vancouver's Special Innovation Fund and has received hundreds of thousands of dollars more of public money from the city ever since, which is really unheard of for a new organization. What's not new is a giant real estate developer is taking an active interest in controlling the cultural identity of Vancouver and using art to their advantage. Let's talk a little bit now about Fight for Beauty. Appropriating the language of resistance, the Fight for Beauty marketing campaign involved one of Vancouver's more notorious development firms. West Bank is the developer responsible for Woodwards, which is a site that's credited as sending a shock of gentrification through the downtown east side and displacing hundreds of welfare and pension rate homes in its vicinity. West Bank has been using an aggressive branding strategy throughout Vancouver, attempting to tie their developments to cultural creation. Billboards around the city read messages like, curated with a vision for vibrant culture and thoughts of tomorrow, and culture reflects society. They're all from the same developer known for displacing low-income communities. In late 2017, you might have seen bright pink billboards for West Bank's Fight for Beauty campaign, where they went a step further, putting together their own free art exhibit in downtown Vancouver outside the Fairmont Pacific Rim Hotel. If you visited that exhibit, you could choose to pick up a headset with a multi-tracked recording of Ian Gillespie, the founder of West Bank. Through the track, Gillespie took credit for making Coal Harbor and downtown Vancouver what it was, and completely scrubbed the history of indigenous communities that have lived in the area for millennia, and low-income communities that Gillespie displaced with luxury condos. 
artists and activists gathered in response to Fight for Beauty to put together an alternative tour of the exhibit. They circulated a letter asking artists to refuse to work with West Bank. The audio guide narrated by Gillespie himself is the tissue that connects each display to his messiah complex. He really wants you to know that real estate development isn't a walk through the activated laneway. <laughs> Gillespie refers to the contentious Woodward's redevelopment project as the war for Woodward's and launches into mythologizing. Against all odds, we've gone out and sold all 444 condominiums on the basis of a very strong message. <laughs> Be part of something bigger. Be part of something bigger than yourselves. Be part of the solution. Be a city builder. Fuck you. <laughs> and, then proceeded, and then proceeded to congratulate the 444 Vancouver. That was Stephanie Ling speaking. So, while it might seem obvious to refuse to work with a developer who makes buildings that low- and mid-income artists could never afford, but artists in Vancouver often rely on developers for their paychecks. As evidenced by how much money West Bank gave to MuralFest, developers will pay for art that fits with their marketing strategy. And because it's so difficult to make a living here, artists often decide to take projects so they themselves can make rent. So the streak of art washing in Vancouver continues. Low Tide Properties, which we mentioned earlier, the company of Chip Wilson, um, has been targeting community and art-centered spaces around Vancouver. So artists staged another protest this summer. They organized a rave against rent evictions that took place outside of Chip Wilson's home. And one of the organizers came on air on Vancouver Co-op Radio during the Soundscape show to talk to me about how they filled the streets with music um, and targeted attention. The excerpts from the show have been edited for length and clarity, but if you want to check out the whole show, head over to Vancouver Co-op Radio's website or to the Soundscape show's archive, which is at furiousgreencloud.com. Run evictions, which is the topic of the Soundscape show tonight. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the rave. I have a guest tonight in the studio, Tasha Speck, who was one of the organizers of the rave. Um, hi, Tasha. Hello. Um, sorry, I did not have Tasha's mic on, so we're going to say hi to Tasha again. Hi, Tasha. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here and for organizing what was an incredible event. And I was really lucky to be there. So uh, before we get into what the Rave Against Renovictions was, I'm just going to trace out a little bit of a link for the Soundscape show because it was a moment that happened um, of sound in the street and um, political sound and um, live live speeches, but also just using sound as a way of protest. So can you explain, do you mind explaining what the Rave Against Run Evictions, what it was? <laughs> and I'm happy to help you. <laughs> but. Sure. Oh, man, it feels like it was so long ago, <laughs> but it was only a month, I suppose, maybe a little more than that. So the Rave Against Run Evictions was a protest rave against Chip Wilson and his development company, low tide properties so they've been responsible for renovating a number of art spaces especially underground uh, and DIY spaces and um, displacing artists and communities not just that but mm -hmm. nonprofits so this was our way of getting back at him 
Mm-hmm. And getting some attention. Absolutely. Um, so for people, I mean, it would be hard to not know what a renoviction is living in Vancouver, but I'm just going to mm. <laughs> quickly give a definition, which is like, basically you get evicted so the place can be renoed and created into something new. Yeah. And sometimes it's not a renoviction, but a demoviction when it's torn down. That's another yeah. one. Um, but I feel like this, and that's a part of the market that's, or the real estate system that's um, causing a lot of trouble. But it seems like this is more of a targeted um, series of renovations than just a, you know, real estate opportunity. It seems like there's a deliberate um, taking out of these types of art spaces. Would you say there's like a correlation between the developer and the arts, or is there some? Um, some interest and, and if that's a leading question I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> well um definitely it's it's a step in the gentrification process mm-hmm. so um artists are forced to go to places where we have where there's low rent options which is typically in industrial areas right mm-hmm. um and once artists move move in the area can be seen to become trendier and when developers see that they have dollar signs in their eyes right mm-hmm. they think this is a this is a way that i can now capitalize on on this and turn it into max profits if you're thinking like a chip wilson person right so art maybe maybe being seen as a target by developers because or maybe creating a target because it's making a place more desirable once people are already enjoying it and using it and creating that opening yeah i understand though that there's also like some top maybe more top-down approach to the arts where art spaces are more corporately curated or they're part of more like city endorsed events it feels like the space is getting shut down or really bottom-up spaces. absolutely yeah definitely Yeah, these are spaces, like, for example, Index or Merge, they were completely DIY spaces. Like, nobody was really making money off of running those. It was purely because um, people needed space to to make art and have, you know, community events for folks. Um, So the... The, the goal was never, the goal with those spaces is never profit, mm-hmm. which is definitely foreign to to a developer or foreign to, to a capitalist-minded person. We're going to get a little bit into the mind of such a person <laughs> with an excerpt that qu- made quite a bit of news in a second. Um, so thank you for opening that uh, segue into that. Um, I I wanted to ask one more question about the protest itself, and then we're going to play a little ambience from the day. But um, when did it reach the point that you and your collaborators felt like you wanted to protest? What Mm -hmm. was the sort of push to to make this happen? Um, Well, for me, it was when I found out that Index was closing, um, and then I found out the reasons why and I started doing more research into low tide properties and Chip Wilson and I saw that this was this was a pattern that um, this had happened to Redgate only a year prior um, and that it's happened to uh, like over 18 venues I think was the was the tally that we came up not necessarily venues but they're also like nonprofit spaces charities these kind of spaces that are really 
providing community havens. Um, So at that point, I was pretty enraged and (laughs) decided that I wanted to do something. And then collaborating with Jody, Jody Overland, um, we decided we would do something about it. You're listening to an excerpt from the Soundscape Show's episode on the Rave Against Renovictions. It aired on September 18th, 2019 on 100.5 FM Vancouver's Co-op Radio, CFRO. You can head over to the station's website to hear more from Co-op Radio, the Soundscape Show, and to find the full audio for the show. Yeah, which doesn't mean that there's there isn't like finances involved. Like people mm-hmm. are happy to pay cover, mm-hmm. but these are more so, you know, things that we're happy to pay in order to keep these spaces up and running so that we can pay rent and you know have gear and yeah yeah yeah. So not necessarily to make capital to reinvest in real estate. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll we'll. We'll go uh, to, like, the sort of scandalous part of the day next. (laughs) Um, I think you know what I'm talking about. So I'll set it up for the listeners. Um, This is the moment where Chip Wilson made an appearance. So I I wasn't there yet, so I didn't witness, but you you guys were setting up? Yeah, yeah, we were. It was 15 minutes before we were starting, and we were all just setting up the the equipment <laughs> and whatnot and chip emerged from his mansion with his wife and two young sons mm-hmm. um so we weren't really expecting that and mm-hmm. now in retrospect it makes perfect sense he would given the size of his ego but right well let's <laughs> hear a little bit of that the ego in question for rich people and to make more money it's accumulation for accumulation production for production what? That makes no sense whatsoever. Oh, don't be like that. <laughs> that makes no sense. You're taking over like so many people do in order to increase the value of the property. And anyone there who gets in the way is and, and pushed out. We've all been forced out. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? So have I. I was a, no, I was, no, but this is true. No, when I was young, I made, listen, when I was young, listen, I was an artist. No, when I was young, I had many when attempts young, to do... When I was young, I have such stories. Right, exactly. I tried to do many clothing... But we're talking about now. I, no, but you're not. Because I wasn't. I didn't get here without making a lot of mistakes and having failed many times. And many times I couldn't make rent because I didn't have a product that people actually wanted to buy. So, so now, if you can't make a product... This is about if you can't make a product... I had a, I had a product that was extremely popular that was packed every single weekend and you still renovated me, so... I wasn't having any problems But you're not making enough money, right? In order for the world doesn't want enough of your product for you to pay the rent. So in other words, was unless you're a millionaire, you don't. You didn't well, give me, you didn't give me the op- your company didn't give me the option of paying the rent. <laughs> anyway, you guys are great. Love you. Take care. Right, bye. <laughs> we'll be here when you need us. We just heard some bold words about socialism, about maybe how much money uh, you should be, you should need to exist in public space or in community space. 
you don't look impressed right now, Tasha. <laughs> well, just, yeah, just hearing his voice, it's like, it's unsettling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's some unsettling implications in what was said. Um, in particular, his explanation to the one artist who I, I wasn't familiar with him, but like... That's Nathan, the organizer of Index. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So to one of the people deeply affected by this, he basically implied or said directly that you um, were not making enough money to stay in business. However, that is only enough, what he means is you are not making enough money to prevent me from having enough money to buy your venue out from under you because they were staying in business and doing fine. Yeah, and they were, they were paying the rent and they had um, negotiated with low tide properties to renew the, the rental agreement and at the last moment, um, Chip and his company pulled out of that and decided to rent evict, so kind of shady business dealings there yeah i guess i'm like really hung up on that implication that if you can't go toe to toe with a billionaire then you're not <laughs> you don't have a market yeah which is just not reasonable in any sense like chips wealth completely like outshadows anything that our little arts community can put together or even some like more funded ventures like yeah other capital ventures like it's yeah. yeah so that would be a pretty absolute um market indeed so let's just <laughs> and also maybe do you mind setting the scene for people who weren't there about like what the street how it was set up and how it looked and what they might have seen if they had stumbled into point gray that day sure so we were set up uh, we had a DJ booth set up on the sidewalk, uh, which was hooked up to a generator. Um, at some points, we had the speakers facing toward Chip Wilson's mansion. Mm -hmm. um, and then at other times, we turned it to the crowd. Mm -hmm. um, so we had folks on the on the other side of the street, in, uh, in the grass, and also on that side of the street. And some people were even in the street itself but making room whenever traffic came mm -hmm. um, and people were dancing and having a lot of fun at one point it rained and then a bunch of folks came together and put up a tent over the DJ booth so and we kept going so this went on for four and a half hours which was pretty incredible yeah. that <laughs> and at the time just flew by so fast but yeah, the the cops the cops were there. They were trying to look intimidating at certain points, um, but it was pretty interesting to see that they couldn't they couldn't shut us down. They couldn't kick us out. We chose to left to leave because we had to return the generator. We didn't want to pay for another day to rent it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and then I guess people came dressed for a rave, some of yeah, them? Yeah, some like... people came dressed and some people were just passing by, you know, walking their dogs or out for a walk with their family and stumbled upon it. And, you know, some people joined in, which was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we had activist types too that came, like people from BTU and then also raver types came and there was also overlaps. So right. that was pretty neat. I'll just say for listeners who might not know VTU is a reference to Vancouver Tenants Union who are also deeply anti-renoviction. Yeah. <laughs> working so hard 
to fight that, and there is like a total point of um, interpersonal solidarity yeah. there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I was going to ask about the response from the neighbors, but I guess it was pretty mixed. I saw a lot of high fives going on, though, I have to say. Yeah, I think a lot of Chip's neighbors do not like him. Uh-huh. <laughs> do not like living next to him. That was the vibe I was getting, too. Yeah, there yeah. were some people. There, there was an older gentleman who came out in, like, he looked like his pajamas and, like, gumboots and was, like, trying to, you know get the police officer to shut us down Wow! and um the cop was basically like well sorry like and and the guy seemed pretty upset about that but right oh well there was there was another woman who was driving in her car and she was very upset and she almost ran over a police officer oh no (laughs) yeah that was a little odd but most of the response we got was super positive from from passerbys yeah and my experience of the event as well was that it was deeply respectful like making space for cyclists and cars but also like every even so much as the cigarette butts that people might be smoking were all gathered and put into tins yeah we took away all the garbage and and everything else so we left we left the area how we found it (laughs) Um, let's take a break and listen to a track. Um, this is by one of the organizers that you mentioned, DJ Overland is the performance name. And she's a rising star in Canada. And she was fabulous. And we have a track called Trance Dream to play for everybody now. Of course, to hear the full track, you're going to have to check out the show over at furiousgreencloud.com or on the Vancouver Co-op Radio website, or check out DJ Overland directly and get it straight from the source. Now we'll pick up that conversation with Tasha Speck. It's not through hard work. If, if we became wealthy through hard work, you know, we'd see many more wealthy people when nowadays we're seeing the disparity grow larger and larger between between the rich and the poor yeah i feel like the i mean if you watch the video it's available in the news there's a lot of smirking in the video and i think the the maybe what's coming through between the lines is that it's not hard work but smart work and so there's Mm. this like belief maybe especially in cities where there is injustice that you have to be smart, and if you're not smart, you're not going to win. Um, so that completely takes, blows away the hard work um, argument, because you can work four jobs and never be a billionaire. Um, mm. So I feel like there's some disingenuousness even in the hard work argument. But the thing that Chip, uh, his speech was was like overlooking to me was that he didn't have a billionaire for future version of himself putting a boot down on his early venture. So he can't equate himself to the people here because they have uh, Mm -hmm. Lex Luthor in their life. Right. So he's already made the world a little bit worse with the power differential that Mm -hmm. he's... He's he's already, yeah, he's already a very wealthy man, one of the top five most wealthy in BC. His mansion is the most expensive residential property in BC. Um, And yet he has the desire to hoard more wealth, more resources, more property, something that, you know, 
people like us, we don't understand. <laughs> I'm, we're just, I'm just trying to get by. I'm just trying to right. support the people that I care about. The um, the vision of people partying together in the street because they are all invested in the same project of protecting space and spending time together, um, to me, that is a different kind of wealth. And when someone says something like socialism will always fail, mm-hmm. that seems like a very lonely, defensive, clutching, defensively <laughs> person when yeah. you see people with their hands open and showing the kind of the opposite value system, I think that's where the, the the anger comes from towards those people. Yeah, it's also interesting that he jumped to that when socialism was not mentioned once. No, it wasn't <laughs> right. <one>. Yeah, <laughs> we were just talking about the injustice of this, having said these that, evictions. There were some pretty bold banners <laughs> but at that point none of the banners were up oh, right when he first he came out he assumed that you were socialist yeah he just assumed because you were collectively acting <laughs> perhaps <laughs> perhaps but this is this is another myth that socialism will always fail another talking point for capitalists when we know that socialism has been deliberately attacked <laughs> by mm especially U.S. imperialism whenever it tries to get a foothold in the world. I think it's also fair to say that um, there might be a lot of, of um, similar views, but a, there's still a, a diversity in the art sector. Like, not everyone who protests um, renovations is necessarily a socialist. I mean, yeah. the fact is some, uh, some assumptions were made. Definitely. Strong words were spoken. <laughs> Um, I asked Tasha to describe the type of art space that her community has been losing. Everyone was enjoying enjoying the moment, enjoying the music, and it was about a love for the music and also, you know, a desire to 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 let loose and and dance and this is the kind of culture of of da- of dance music and plural is, you know, enjoying the enjoying the music on your own or with your friends but not you know impeding on other people's Mm -hmm. um space right and physically is it like was it downstairs it was upstairs upstairs yeah it was upstairs it was the upstairs of this kind of decrepit looking warehouse so from the outside it looked like very (laughs) like an eyesore Mm -hmm. but that's the thing about you know, artists and, um, you know, like low income people, working people, like we can take that and then turn it into something beautiful and something Mm -hmm. special with very little money. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So it was, it was an older building. There was some, you know, what is that called? Parquet flooring. Right. Yeah. And there was, you know, we had the DJ booth set up. There was a little bar with some fake plants that were lit with this, um, this like kind of pink, purpley lighting. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate fake plants, but they looked really cool yeah. at night with yeah. the lighting. And um, yeah, it was kind of, it was very small, not a lot of space, mm-hmm. but you can also do a lot with with very little space. Yeah. 
Well, I want to thank you for being here. We're going to go to the speeches. I know you have to probably leave before they wrap up. So thank you, Tasha Speck, for being here, for organizing. The speeches that follow by Rocco Trigueras and Jean Swanson took place on September 18th, 2019. They have been slightly abridged for this episode. So... He's doing a lot for the community, and he's here to speak. So please help me welcome Rocco. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Where do we start? <laughs> We're in front of the house of this Donald Trump wannabe. Do we need more Donald Trumps? No! Of course we're not. So uh, this is very immoral. It's immoral right when we're having our worst housing crisis and no solutions to dream in building a billionaire real estate empire on the grounds of the victim people. Is there any leadership on that? No! He, he's trying to teach us lessons. Is that a lesson, a victim people? No! no. It's immoral right when we're facing low wages, hungry, displacement, and people are having a hard time surviving day by day when most of Canadians know, don't have more than $500 in their bank to think that you can steal places where people live and make, and make a $73, $76 million house empty which is almost empty standing alone. We need, instead of millionaire house like this is, we need community spaces, we need art studios, we need public housing. This is And is it immoral to target college students to sell them your expensive clothing? While you're taking away the places where they live and they study, this is absolutely immoral. And you're trying to teach us a lesson? Come on. It's immoral to write a book on how to be a successful capitalist. Do we really need his lessons? No. It's, what we need is a book on how we're disappearing under untouchable power of corporations like his corporation, like other corporations that are living us every day more poor. This is what we need to understand what's going on in our lives, what's happening in Canada, how we're disappearing, how economic powers are crushing us. This is the kind of understanding we need. We don't need Donald Trump's biographies anymore. And this world is not going to be saved by a selfish capitalist. Do you think that's the direction? No. Do you think how that is gonna how it's gonna be safe by his lessons? No, it's gonna be safe by a collective effort of all the people. This is the people who's gonna save the world, who's gonna make it better. Not a selfish capitalist. So, yeah. how immoral to consider yourself an example of success? When you evict people, tenants, artists, and, 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 and steal these spaces like Index, Merch, Red Gaze, Art Society, Artist Collectives, small businesses, 
you're just like a machine destroying everything. And, and you think people should follow that example? It's, 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 it's immoral. In, in order to what? Are you building something in the community? No, you're building just luxury condos. And if it makes you feel good to just donate money for public art, which actually increases value in these properties, because this model, this is this public art is gonna be in their neighborhoods, he's buying. There's there's always business behind Mr. Chet Wilson. No sense of community, no law for the people, exploitation with college students, and he even jokes about uh, women's shapes and bodies. He, he said that he's not making Claudia for big butts. What do you mean? We're here to kick your butt. <laughs> now, people are being stolen of their places, homes, where to live, and now they want to take the most important thing, art. Why? Why they're interested in disappearing these musical venues, these art, these places where they exhibit art? Why? Because they want to suppress art, because art can change people's mind. Art can change and transform society, and this is why they want to disappear it. So, are you going to do that, artists? No. Are you going to let this Chip Wilson take your spaces? No! Art cannot be evicted. 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 What you're doing is you're making art louder. It's stronger than ever. So all the artists make your art stronger and louder than ever. Because this is what we need now. This is what people need to do. So next we have the incomparable Jean Swanson. She's finally the voice that we've long anticipated to have on city council in Vancouver. She's been a poverty advocate for over 40 years. I think we can all inspire to be a little bit more like Jean. So please welcome Jean Swanson. Thank you, dear. Um, that's a really hard act to follow, Rocco. <laughs> um, thanks, everybody, for, for organizing this and for coming out. That's really great. I want to start by acknowledging that we're on the stolen land of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh people and commit to working for giving, getting some of that land back to them or compensating them and or compensating them for it. Um, I think it's really important to speak out for art. Um, you guys probably don't know about Ursula Le Guin because you're not as old as me. <laughs> but she had this great quote, uh, which is, quote, we live in capitalism, its power seems escapable. So did the divine right of kings. Any human power can be resisted and changed by human beings. I think that's really important. And then she said, resistance and change often begin in art. 
To learn more about Vancouver housing stories and the participants involved in the project, check out the links on our SoundCloud page. This episode of Vancouver Housing Stories was produced by me, Helena Krobath, and Sydney Ball. Thanks to Vivo Media Arts Centre for hosting this project, the BC Arts Council for funding, the Vancouver Tenants Union, and the tenants who shared their stories.